How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to another episode of Bo's Football Final here at KHON2.com and anywhere you download podcasts. I'm your host, Rob DeMello. Joining me, we got Rich Miano, we got RJ Hollis, and fellas, we have a lot to talk about here as the University of Hawaii football team kicked off their highly anticipated 2022 season with a 63-10 loss to Vanderbilt, opening the Timmy Chang era here for the Rainbow Warriors, a game that started off with such promise as Hawaii took a 7-0 lead, but from then on out, Vanderbilt would then outscore the Bows 63-3 the rest of the way, leaving the Bows at 0-1 here on the young season. So, of course, like I said, a lot to talk about offense, defense, special teams, coaching, whatever it is that comes up here on this episode of Bows Football Final. But before we do that, let's hear from the Rainbow Warriors themselves. This is what head coach Timmy Chang, senior linebacker Isaiah Tufanga, and sophomore quarterback Braden Shager had to say following the 63-10 to loss to the Commodores. When, when, when we lose, it's, it's my fault. You know, I got to be better. And so, you know, you'll get better for me. And, um, and, and I know they'll be better for it. And, uh, and um, you know, just want them to stick together. And, you know, this is adversity, but we have, to, we have to turn around quick and we have to fix this quick if we want the season we want. This is game one. We've got 12 more games after this, and there's many more opportunities to go out there and, you know, get wins. And if I'm being honest, I'm not really stressing about any anything this game. I mean, of course, I got some things to work on. We all got some things to work on, but I can promise you from here on out that we are going to get better. I, mean, I love every single one of those guys in the locker room despite, despite this loss, and uh, we're going to be good. And I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know when. I don't know when we're going to start to make the turn, but it's going to happen. I know it is, and uh, we just got to keep doing what we're doing. And this one's tough, but we got to take it on the chin, like Coach Chang said, and just move on to the next week. All right, so that's what the Bows had to say following Saturday's loss to Vanderbilt. Again, 63-10, to the final game that saw Vandy out gained the Rainbow Warriors offensively 601-358. to a game that was all Commodores after the first five minutes or so of this ball game. And you can point to a handful of moments of that game and freak plays that put the momentum on Vandy's side. But before we start delving into the nuts and the bolts of this game, Rich Miano, first things first, biggest takeaway from this game after seeing this edition of the University of Hawaii football team for the first time. Well, first of all, uh, let's not be – it was a poor performance, Rob, but let's not be too demoralizing in terms of remember back in 1999 when Hawaii with a new coach and a new staff and a bunch of new players lost 62-6 to six to the University of Southern California, USC. I remember thinking as a position coach, I might get fired after that performance. And June Jones walked into my office and said, he said, Rich, continue to coach what we coach. And more importantly, make sure that the kids believe in what we're doing, believe in each other. So as bad as that loss was, Rob, it's one game out of 13. It was an SEC team. They'll get better. And uh, there's a lot to improve upon. RJ Hollis, there is a lot of anticipation, a lot of community involvement here in the offseason. And it just seemed that it was building and building and building. How do you walk away from this first game after seeing the Bows lose 63 to 10? Uh, I think that, you know, UH was caught a little bit off guard. You know, it's a uh, Vanderbilt who's in the SEC, but it's a team that only won five games in the past three seasons. I think they really were able to flex some muscle, you know, on Saturday night, something that Vanderbilt doesn't get the opportunity to do often. But, you know, back to that interview you were talking about earlier, I think Isaiah Tufunga kind of handed on the head when he said, you know, not necessarily that there's nothing to worry about, but you still have 12 more games. And Vanderbilt is probably going to be in the top three of just naturally most talented teams that you will face. And I think looking at that, you know, it shouldn't be something where you're going to hang your head too hard on this loss, not only having 12 opportunities more, but facing the SEC opponent. But I think the biggest thing is just going forward, you have to realize that this game did happen and we have to do everything in our power to make sure that it can't happen again. So it can be water under the bridge unless, you know, some of those mistakes that happened in week one continue on to the season. 
and cause you to lose more games. Yeah, and, and truth be told, uh, Rich Miano is uh, currently in California enjoying family time, but was able to watch the game. Of course, RJ Hollis was be, uh, was able to take it all in, and I was able to watch it on TV. Uh, after avoiding COVID for over two years, I finally got hit by the train. I was playing on the tracks, apparently, and uh, and I was laid out from Tuesday till Saturday morning. And so uh, uh, Saturday night was about the first time that I was moving around all week. And um, it sat me right back down on my couch as Vanderbilt ran away, winning by 53 points. Let's go over some of the offensive numbers. Braden Shager got the start. He goes 18 to 35 for 161 yards. He was sacked only once. He was able to facilitate that offense on that first drive masterfully as everything was working for the Rainbow Warriors on their first possession, a long drive that ended with a Diedrich Parson uh, touchdown run to 37 yards. Now, Shager was eventually replaced by Joey Yellen, who goes 10 of 20 for 89 yards. <clears throat> he started that outing near perfect going, uh, I believe it was nine for nine to start things off and he finished 10 for 20. And so uh, he was sacked twice as well. And so his, uh, his start did not quite continue uh, as far as that hot hand goes. Daedric Parson of the aforementioned starting running back and captain in this UH football team, 13 carries for 82 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Johnson late got in there. Uh, he had three carries for 21 yards, a long of 18, uh, which gives him seven yards a pop. But again, on, on very uh, limited uh, touches in that ball game. Jonah Pinoke was the leading receiver for the offense, seven catches for 101 yards and a long of 28. Jalen Walthall had a couple of nice catches, five catches for 61 yards. He was a player that a lot of people anticipated would have a, a role in this offense and especially when Zion Bowens went down after just one catch for 10 yards before he was removed from the game with a knee injury. Uh, Walt Hall was able to then get his hands on the football uh, a few more times and uh, made the most of it. Five catches for 61 yards. So Rich, let's talk about this university of Hawaii offense. Obviously outside of that first drive, uh, they had a handful of three and outs from then on. Uh, they weren't able to move the ball as effectively as obviously they would like, but it didn't appear to be an issue of the offensive line not providing time. It didn't seem to be an issue of too many drops. There were drops, but it seemed to be more of an issue of what they dialed up just wasn't there for the quarterback to be able to hit receivers in stride. And, and there were opportunities where you could have hit a receiver in stride and wasn't quite able to do so, which then broke the play. And then in other opportunities where Vanderbilt was able to sniff it out. When you look at this offensive output uh, that Hawaii was able to provide here on Saturday, what do you walk away thinking the biggest room in, uh, for improvement is, or what even the biggest issue is for this UH offense right now under Ian Shoemaker for the first time? Yeah, and I'm going to start with quarterback. We talked about that last week in, on Bo's football final in terms of being the most important position in all of sports. And both of those quarterbacks that you mentioned, Rob Shager and Yellen, they they got rid of the ball early and, and, and they made good decisions and quick releases and had uh, were accurate at the beginning of the game and at, at the beginning when Joey was inserted into this football game. But you know, they weren't able to push the ball downfield. They were they were very inconsistent with accuracy. I thought, actually, and you mentioned this, the offensive line played well in terms of running the football. You look at Diedrich Parson averaging a little over six yards a carry. I thought they should have ran the ball more. I thought they should have relied more on the running game. There was just not enough clock being eaten up, not enough field position in terms of switching the field position, uh, especially when they were falling behind. Um, I, I think that, you know, um, in the passing game, when they lost uh, Zebo, uh, Zion Bowens, that was a huge loss because I think he's the best football player in terms of explosiveness on this offense. And so then they're, you know, playing some young receivers. Uh, and again, they're going to have to get more athletic at, at that receiver position. I'll find some guys that can, uh, you know, go vertical, so to speak. But um, I don't think they stuck with a game plan that was a physical game plan with that offensive line, which I think is the strongest position amongst this offense. And I think they could have hung around a lot longer 
if they relied more on that running game. So I'm going to put a little bit on, on the coaching staff as well as the quarterbacks, as well as some drops, as you mentioned. But it wasn't a, a horrible performance. But you still have to ask yourself, who is the quarterback moving forward? Yeah, and RJ, uh, Rich brought it up. And so, of course, we want to hear what you have to say about the offensive line before we talk about anything else on the offense. Uh, it, was that your takeaway as well as far as that offensive line, which this team went into the season understanding that that was going to be their strongest unit uh, based on the amount of experience that it has and uh, the amount of skill that really it has. And so what was your uh, grade for this offensive line? And, and did it provide you any glimpse of understanding that, hey, there could be something here for this UH offense if you follow the lead of the offensive line? Uh, most definitely, Rob. You know, coming into this season, this offensive line had 110 starts of experience returning. Uh, that led the Mountain West. They had Dedrick Parson who – you know, even with the two fumbles he had last night, showed that ability, that first fumble, he kind of had a man-on-man, -man and he just went to make that spin where that lucky tackle got right on the ball and forced it to come out. But if Dedrick Parson makes that guy miss, he's opening up his senior uh, his season with a 100-yard game. So I think that offensive line with the size they got, you know, you got a 6'6 offensive guard and Michael Vanderpool. You got Austin Hopp, who's a very big body. And... You haven't really figured out your quarterback situation showing with the rotation of Shager and Yellen both going in and still trying to figure out the passing game, which is a lot more difficult and a lot more intricate to get online. So I think with the experience this offensive line has with the running backs they have every carrier last night or every carrier Saturday night, excuse me, averaged over five yards per carry. So I'm going to have to piggyback off of what Rich said, you know, even though you might want to try and go to that pass game. You want it to be, you know, necessarily your bread and butter to put up a lot of yards. Right now, that offensive line is your strength. And I think going forward, getting behind those big guys, feeding those running backs and using that to build up your momentum as well as give your passing game time to catch up with this experience that this offensive line has and, you know, kind of the swagger that some of these running backs are running with. I think it's going to be big that you stay behind your offensive line and you let these guys do what they can because the running game, although not the absolute best, was definitely the strength of this offense on Saturday night. Now, the word experience has come up a lot here in, in the first five minutes of this episode of Bo's Football Final and both from Rich Miano and R.J. Hollis. And, and so it begs the question of how much of – Saturday's issues had to do with lack of experience because you know I, I almost think we said this last week and this was part of the conversation where it's like hey this is either going to be the stars are aligned and this is like a movie uh, script that is uh, about to be picked up by Disney uh, and the University of Hawaii can make this work or it's going to look like exactly what it is and that's a team that has 53 new players 10 new coaches you've lost uh, uh, you know probably what would have been a dozen players that would be starting in this game that have eligibility that are now playing elsewhere around the country based on what happened last season and the revolt of this rainbow warrior roster and program and uh you had 13 first-time starters starting a collegiate football game for the University of Hawaii on Saturday. Rich Miano, was that just too much to overcome? I mean, is, is that what you feel like was issue number one, was the lack of college football division one under the lights experience for this University of Hawaii team going up against a Vanderbilt who's now year two of a rebuild and continuity is their calling card right now when it comes to both roster, starting lineup, and coaching staff? Rob, I don't want to sound too dramatic. We're, we're trying to put the past and let the bygones be bygone. But, you know, we there's 19 guys that left this football program that can flat out play. There are three captains. There's a quarterback in San Jose State who may end up being the MVP of this conference. There's new coaching staffs everywhere. RJ talked about the intricacies of the passing game to try to get that thing. When you're also repping five quarterbacks all fall camp, some of them have – been on campus for, you know, a month and a half or so. So, but without sounding too dramatic, 
this may be the newest and, and the biggest experiment since the Kent State team following the plane crash. I mean, this is, you know, and they're going to get better and they're going to compete and they hopefully will get fundamentally better. But everything is new, Rob. If this was a play, it's never been it's never been shown on Broadway before. You've got new coordinators. You've got new position coaches. You've got new new quarterbacks. You've got new people at almost every position. And they're coming off a turmoil. They're coming off of just a traumatic offseason and the stadium issue and all the other issues that this program has. We've got to continue to get behind these young men and not really evaluate them after game number one. It's going to take six to nine games to me to see if they're fundamentally solid, if they can keep from turning the ball over. Can they take it away on defense? Will they tackle better? Will they play better special teams? Will the special teams be special? There's so much to be seen in the next 12 games. Yeah, and RJ Hollis, uh, let's now talk a little bit about the defense and what you're able to see out of this Hawaii football team, obviously the first couple of drives uh, for Vanderbilt were stymied by the Rainbow Warriors and uh, they were able to get the ball back and uh, Hawaii had an opportunity to try to go up two scores. Panay Pavihi had a potential pick six that just fell out of his hands and that was a big swing because uh, following that and a little bit more down the road, you had Vanderbilt cash in a couple of fumble uh, that went right into the hands of the Commodores uh, for touchdowns. And and at one point, they they scored two touchdowns in 10 seconds off the game clock that went from 7-0 Hawaii to 14-7 Commodores. Uh, so, but when, when you look at the numbers, Verdell Edwards, uh, someone that we anticipated would uh, play a key role in this defense, had six tackles. He was the co-leading tackler with Leonard Lee at the safety position. Isaiah Tufanga, aforementioned, uh, had five tackles in this game. Um, uh, Leonard Lee, by the way, with two quarterback hurries. And when you look at quarterback hurries, you start looking down the box score and it goes all the way down to Ezra Evi Malo, a reserve defensive lineman who had one quarterback hurry uh, from this University of Hawaii football team. And, and so that's only three in the game. Uh, your biggest takeaway from the defensive side of the ball, where I think it's safe to say a lot of people saw, especially in the first half, that the University of Hawaii appeared to dial up and to be in the right position to make tackles, but were unable to secure those tackles. Was tackling the number one issue for this University of Hawaii football team? Uh, I, I would say easily, almost definitely. Uh, getting pressure to the quarterback would probably be Number two, but you got you got to tip your hat to Mike Wright. That'll probably be one of the most, if not the most, athletic quarterback the University of Hawaii defense will see all year. And I think that showed in that 85-yard scamper where he outran pretty much the entire defense, including the defensive back. So you don't usually see quarterbacks that athletic uh, this early. But, you know, at the same time, I think this defense knows there's still a lot that needs to be worked on. The running game, you know, anytime you give up, uh, essentially over 400 yards of rushing. That's definitely a, a, a big red flag that I know Jacob Yor is going to be attacking this week. So, you know, you just got to make sure that those tackles definitely are something that you hone in on because a lot of plays, and not just from running backs or just from Mike Wright, but from a lot of ball carriers for Vanderbilt, had additional yards because the initial tackle wasn't made. There was a lot of missed tackles. There was a lot of missed opportunities where, you know, like I said last week, when you get some of these coin toss games that won't be as far as the 63-10 to 10 final you have against Vandy, those are the plays you're going to have to make that put you in a position to win. And as you get further in this season and you cross October 1st, heading into Mountain West play, that tackling is going to have to be a lot more assured, especially when you look at your first Mountain West opponent being San Diego State, whom we all know absolutely loves to run the ball. So I think tackling is going to be huge. Uh, you lost 12 of your top 15 tacklers from last year. So when you have to replace that much talent, you're almost looking at a mission impossible as far as getting back to the level of, you know, top defense in the country that UH was last year. But at the same time, tackling has to be a focal point. They have to be able to cash in on those open field tackles. And if you do happen to get against another athletic quarterback, don't think he'll be as athletic as Mike Wright was, but there has to be some sort of scheme to be able to keep this guy under control, you know, keep him under wraps and make sure that when this run game does 
get to churning for opposing teams, UH is ready to stop it, and UH is ready to do the little things to keep an offense like this in check more so than they did on Saturday. Rich, when it comes to tackling, what did you see? Was it the approach? Was it um, you know lack of strength, lack of speed? What was it that led to so many moments in that football game where you saw even behind the line of scrimmage, a University of Hawaii defender in the right place, ready to make a play, but just unable to make it? Yeah, and we and I think RJ touched on this. We can't forget about this was SEC. That was a highly, extremely athletic quarterback. That's going to make a lot of people miss. And he's got great speed and uh, quickness, and and uh, he's dynamic. Uh, but that being said, athleticism, you know, on Hawaii's defense, if it's not the most athletic defense, they have to be fundamentally sound. So you talk about gap control and gap cancellation. That first level has to do that. The linebackers have to do that. But there were a lot and way too many plethora of missed tackles in the second and the third level. So they're going to have to get better. And fundamentally, they're going to have to lower the hips. They're going to have to close the gate. They're going to have to come to balance. They're going to have to wrap up. And there were a lot of plays that Jacob Euro, you know, brought some people, brought the house. They were bouncing off. They weren't wrapping up. So that's fundamentals. It's the first game of the season. You can't do as much tackling as you'd like to because of concussions and lack of depth at certain positions. That's not an excuse. They're going to have to become a better tackling team because I think Hawaii wants to see a, a team that flies around, a team that's fundamentally sound, that's you know vicious, that's very physical. And, and Rob, just on the defensive side of the ball, when you talk statistics and you went through hurries i don't think i've ever witnessed a game that had zero interceptions zero fumble recoveries zero sacks i mean when you go through that stuff hawaii is known as a big play defense and in order to win football games they're gonna have to make plays on defense vanderbilt had two touchdowns off of from their defense so you know this is an anomaly. This is a one-off. They're going to tackle better. They're going to make big plays moving forward. They're well-coached, uh, and they're going to get better fundamentally. You know, it's interesting. Last week, we made it very clear that the three of us, right, we had no idea what was going to happen on Saturday. Uh, we made the claim that if anyone thinks they know, they they don't know what they're talking about because we've been watching this team in practice, and and, and the biggest storyline and, and what made this so intriguing is that never before in, in all of our respective careers, whether it's as a player, as a coach, as an analyst, as a reporter, we've never seen a football team hit the field with such little time together on the football field because of what happened from the spring to the fall with so many new players, over 40 players coming in from the spring to the fall. So many first-time starters that are hitting the field for the first time. And so, therefore, no matter what happened, I mean, Hawaii could have won this game. We would have been surprised because we had no idea what was going to happen. So, with that being said, what surprised you the most about Saturday's game? Whether it's the outcome, whether it's the performance, no matter what, it, whether it's the, the fan uh, participation, whether it was the Clarence T.C. Ching Stadium, whatever it is, what, what surprised you most? Understanding fully that no matter what happened on Saturday, we were going to be surprised. R.J. Hollis, what takes the cake as the biggest surprise about this University of Hawaii football team? Uh, well, I don't, I don't want to call it a surprise. You know, this is a guy that's been around for a while, that's, you know, seen a couple of quarterbacks and a couple of coaches come through. But for me, it's Jonah Pinoke, a wide receiver out of St. Louis, seven catches, 101 yards, making plays and. Not necessarily that it was a surprise, but more so a breath of fresh air when you see that type of production out of one of your leaders, out of one of your guys that could have jumped ship if he wanted to, but stuck around. And, you know, with this quarterback competition being as close as it is, being as difficult as it is to figure out who your QB1 is, I definitely got to tip my hat off to Pinoke because he didn't let it affect him, you know. So we knew the running game was going to be good. We knew the offensive line was going to come in with all of that experience and do what they did. But I think especially from an offensive standpoint, it was kind of a breath of fresh air to see uh, Jonah Pinoke step up, have an over 100-yard game to start the season. And even though the offense didn't score as much as you wanted to, uh, I think it's good that you have that positivity in the passing game to use going forward regardless of who your quarterback's going to be. So the running game a little bit more solidified, but uh, my biggest surprise, was the performance of Jonah Pinocchio. I think he definitely stepped up and uh, 
showed itself as a leader for this offense. All right, Rich Miano, uh, for you, what was the biggest surprise out of this University of Hawaii football team on Saturday? I mean, it could be good, bad, or ugly. What surprised you the most? Well, Rob, you mentioned that, you know, I'm up here watching the international sevens uh, with 28 different countries and watching some great athletes. But what surprised me is I got to watch it on the television broadcast and the fan engagement. They, I think they stayed involved, although it got kind of ugly, you know, early in the third quarter, whatever else. But the poke, the food, you know, the food tents, the, the, the atmosphere to see a full house, to see the sun setting, to see how beautiful this program can be and will be eventually. And uh, just the pride that I think that uh, is going to hopefully return to that university and that football program. Um, it was just uh, anticipated. But good to see a sold-out crowd. And not only that, Rob, I've always thought that more students, more young people, more people that are getting excited at football games would be a good thing. And it seemed they had that passion early and often, and hopefully that will be back uh, against Western Kentucky. All right, real quickly, the quarterback situation. Uh, Rich, we talked about it. Braden Shager, Joey Ellen, both got into this ball game. The only other quarterback that we anticipated to see some playing time in game number one was Cameron Cooper. He never got into the game, but now heading into Western Kentucky week number two, where do you think this quarterback situation is at? I mean, it, it, are we where we were last week? And uh, hey, it's it's Shager and Yellen, and, and one of these two guys are going to end up um, having to outplay the other. We're going to see both guys play probably on Saturday against Western Kentucky. Are you concerned about the quarterback room right now? I mean, where, where do you kind of stand on what we're looking at quarterback wise? Yeah, Rob, you know, the thing about it is, and I think I touched on it briefly uh, earlier in the show, is when you had five quarterbacks, so to speak, and they're all getting reps, and I'm thinking, like, it's two weeks prior to the first game. Are they going to name a starter? Is he going to get 90% of reps like they do in the National Football League? Well, they were still uncertain, and there's still uncertainty. So you're not getting enough reps to get better. And the, the thing about June Jones, and I don't want to continue to just harp on this, but it's getting the 100 reps on a Friday, getting the timing in the passing game, as, as RJ said, getting these quarterbacks as many reps as possible. This is everything is new. So I think, you know, there's still a question who will be that guy. And that's up to the coaching staff. They're going to be able to watch this film, see who made the best decisions, see who checked out at certain plays, see who got them into the right place, see who was more composed, see who was a better leader. And hopefully we'll find out a quarterback because eventually if you keep playing two of them and stuff, they're getting half the reps in practice. They're getting half the reps of the game. It kind of delays the progress of this offense. All right. So a lot more to talk about here from this season opener here for the University of Hawaii football team to kick off 2022 and the Timmy Chang era. And a lot of questions that I wanted to ask you guys that naturally would come up from the first game of the Timmy Chang era. Uh, but we held on to it a little bit because of the Bose football final mailbox. Much mahalo to everyone who sent in questions uh, via Instagram. You can find on my Instagram story following every University of Hawaii football game, an option to sending questions to Rich and RJ. And uh, mahalo to everyone who took part. And so the first question uh, has to do with Timmy Chang. It has to do with this coaching staff of 10 new members here for the Rainbow Warriors. And the question is, how much of Saturday's result has to do with coaching inexperience? So Timmy Chang making his college football head coaching debut, really a head coaching debut at any level uh, for the first time here for the University of Hawaii. And so Rich Miano, with your coaching experience, with your playing experience, having been a part of the game for as long as you have, did you see anything that was pointing towards inexperience on the coaching standpoint from this University of Hawaii opener. And along those lines, could you also provide what you thought about Timmy Chang's debut as a head coach for the Rainbow Warriors? Yeah, you know, um, I, I do think that he's somewhat hands-off in a good way in terms of not micromanaging defense, Jacob Euro. And I think just Let's talk defense first. That defensive staff knows they need to work on fundamentals, know they need to get more athletic, uh, knows are no, going to know a little bit more about what their weaknesses are. But they've all worked together before. I think they have a lot of input. And I think although there's not like a sage, a veteran on that staff, 
they're all good football coaches. When it comes to offense, you know, Timmy probably has a little more say in the offense. And if you want to question play calling at this point in time with, you know, there's too many RPOs or too many bubble screens or too much quick game and they didn't force the ball down the field a a lot. They didn't run the ball enough. I I think that would be uh, not a good thing to do it this early into the season in terms of evaluating this coaching staff. And we don't know what went on at halftime in terms of, you know, even going to the conditioning aspect where was Vanderbilt more fresh? Is that why they were so much more physical in the second half? Uh, they were more fundamentally sound. They did what they did, did both offensively and defensively. So, you know, uh, this coaching staff has to marinate. It has to be given time. It has to uh, be able to work together. It's, it's what they do together now in terms of game planning for the second game, how they respond and, how, you know, are they going to criticize one another? Are they going to point fingers? All of those things. I think this coaching staff likes each other. I do think they're a young staff, but I think you need to be young and enthusiastic, but they got to make sure that, you know, they got, they got to get better. And Timmy mentioned this in the post game show, as much as the players have to get better, the coaches have to get better as well. RJ Hollis, did you see anything about Saturday's game that was blaring to you as, hey, that's what I can identify as inexperience from the coaching standpoint? Uh, a little. I think with the offensive play calling, the the uh, connection between, you know, some of the players as far as quarterbacks and receivers go. But, you know, I, I, I think that's kind of an obvious that it's going to be some inexperience here. I mean, even when you look at how the coaching staff change occurred, it wasn't, you know, like the last head coach said, hey, I'm going to retire. And while last season was going on, they were looking to get Timmy Chang. You know, UH considered that, you know, Todd Graham was going to be the head coach for this season, if not for all the drama. So I think it's pretty obvious that there would have been uh, some inexperience. I think – also, the inexperience of these players just being with each other and being able to gel and mesh. And like I said earlier, I think that definitely showed in the passing game. So I think that's going to be another uh, thing that's going to be built with time is just the continuity of the locker room. You know, at the end of the day, no coach draws up a play and says, OK, once you get out here, fumble it. Or once the ball touches your hands, drop it. Every play is made with success in mind. And I think, you know, there's obviously the inexperience of the coaches, especially when you look at how this new coaching staff came about. But there's also some inexperience of continuity of these players playing with each other, knowing each other, um, knowing what players are good at and what players aren't good at. So I think also that inexperience played into uh, Saturday night's game. And I think as the season goes on and these players start to learn each other, just as these coaches start to learn their players more, I think there'll be kind of a double positive of gained experience because it won't only be the coaches getting additional experience, but it'll also be the players in that locker room getting more experience with each other. All right, question number two in the mailbox is, was there a player that did not have a key role on Saturday that you think could help this football team? Rich Miano, was there anybody that that jumped out to you that maybe you didn't see on the field enough? Well, I would hate to think it's uh, another quarterback because we, you know, again, getting, finding that guy, but uh, I am not going to go all the way down the depth chart and uh, talk about Connor Poe or something like that, but it's just. Well, Connor Poe, who's not, not even on the roster anymore. He decided (laughs) to transfer and go to the junior college level. Well, therefore, you know, I was thinking that kid could have a future as the quarterback, but um, thank you for that uh, knowledge. Um, no, Rob, I, I let me uh, come. Can I come back to that and let RJ go with this? That's a tough question. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and and before I even go to RJ, uh, you know, obviously being at training camp and being able to follow this team from the spring to the fall, there was a player that I thought would not start for this football team, but would be used. For this football team a, a lot, uh, you know, as far as throughout the, the course of a game. And, and, and that's uh, Tariq Jones, uh, Showtime Jones from New Orleans, Louisiana, defensive end, who I know Rich and I at a couple of practices uh, both identified him as someone that, hey, he's going to get to the quarterback because of 
not only his skill set, but his motor. I mean, his motor was has been one of the most impressive things that I saw all through training camp. And so the fact that uh, we didn't see him out on the football field, uh, we did see Kobe Wyatt come in uh, for a spell. And, and and I'm not sure what the situation is with number 43 in Jones. Uh, but that's a player that I thought we would see in game number one. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to see him moving forward. Um, but that's definitely I mean, for me to just throw in my two cents. That's definitely a player that that I thought would see more action. And another one was Jalen Walthall, who uh, and I'll preface this by saying we saw a lot of him. Um, and I thought going in, that was going to be a player that was going to be like the the X factor, the dark horse, the guy who was going to be thrown in there and um, be able to make the most of his opportunities. We saw more of him because Zion Bowens went down. And so therefore, uh Jalen Walhall doesn't answer the question that was answered, uh, but definitely that's a player that I think you could still see a lot more of, even though um, you saw more than people expected to see of him. RJ Hollis, was there anybody? Um, I mean, not you know, you kind of got a couple of guys. I mean, maybe some more. Tamel Toa, Mokiao Atimalala, he had a pretty good spring. Uh, I would have said a guy like Koali Nishigaya, but we all know he's injured, so um, I don't for me, I don't think there was a guy that I saw that should have gotten more time. I think some of the performances, you know, you still yearn for more. I want to see what Jordan Murray's gonna be able to do coming into Mountain West play. I want to see what Mattio Soli's gonna do, being able to go against maybe a more three to five step quarterback that doesn't have the athleticism of a Mike Wright. But um as far as you know who was gonna play, I think everybody out on the field. We kind of expect it to be out on the field. Uh, quarterback definitely has to step up and take that QB1. But as far as what I saw, I mean, it was pretty much everybody I expected to play. So uh, I think you're just going to have to see a more even team or a more evenly matched game, see some of these performances and uh, how these guys are going to really affect the team. But uh, I wasn't, you know, really too surprised. I think everybody that was out there, I expect it to be out there. So we'll just have to see how these guys improve going forward. Uh, that's going to be my answer. And hey, Rob, can I interject? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to, you know, you mentioned Jalen Walthall, and I'm not sure I got the pronunciation of that la the last name correctly, but he was a pleasant surprise in terms of stretching the field and has some length, and he's going to be a really good football player moving forward. But, and, and I don't know the last name, but the guy Chucky uh, also has that length, that speed, Hines. that stride, right? Yeah, Chucky Hines. I think even when June Jones in, in, in any vertical offense on trips, formation if that outside guy can just stretch the field that opens up things underneath so he has the stride ratio he has the top speed he has the length and the catching radius man you got to get those young receivers involved so yeah i'm gonna say chunky hines yeah you know and it's interesting that you that we if you really listen to what we're all saying to it to answer this question and again mahalo uh, for sending in that question uh is that it, it kind of makes it clear that it, Hey, look, this isn't a situation of there's guys on the bench right now that are going to get tapped on the shoulder in week number two. They're going to show up and there's going to be a completely new football team and that these are diamonds in the rough. I mean, who you're seeing on the field. I mean, this is the University of Hawaii football team. These are the guys that need to be playing because this is what the roster is. <laughs> these are the guys. I mean, everything you need to know about this Rainbow Warrior football team, and I don't mean this in any disrespect, is that. Leonard Lee is the starting safety on this team and he's been on the team for years and couldn't see the field. And now all of a sudden in 2022, he's the starter and playing every snap on defense. And so that just shows you that, you know, this isn't the deepest team in, in the country by no stretch of the imagination. And so the improvements are going to what is what's going to make this team better. It's not going to be tapping new guys on the shoulder. With that being said, there are true freshmen and, and gray shirt freshmen that are going to have to contribute to this football team. And we saw them. Peter Manuma, we saw Matongi Thompson, uh, we saw Tylen Hines for a second. And what's the one thing that stood out from all those guys being on the field is, hey, those guys all have it. I mean, those are those are players. Those are going to be players for the University of Hawaii football team. But you can also see in what they did on Saturday that tells you that 
they have a lot to learn. They have a lot to learn in regards to just being on the football field at the Division One level, whether it's route running, whether it's the route you take on and try to, to to tackle somebody. All these things are valuable learning experiences that they got in Week One. And these guys, especially those guys, the Hines, Hines, Thompson, Monoma. They're going to get better and better and better as the season goes on. And I think if you're a University of Hawaii football fan, that's what you got to be looking for. Not for who else can come into this game. It's the guys that were in the game. How much can they grow from week one to week two to week three to week four and play against the competition that they're playing against? Because remember, they're going to have to go up to Ann Arbor, Michigan and play one of the best teams in the country in the Wolverines. That's going to make them better, even though uh, what it looks like what it's going to look like. And, and that's going to be a not pleasant game for the University of Hawaii, but it's going to make them better moving forward. And it's going to be a huge learning experience and growing experience for the young football players on this University of Hawaii team. All right. Last question here. Did Vanderbilt, and this one's a little bit of a Debbie Downer, did Vanderbilt just end the brotherhood movement? And so uh, week one, a 63 to 10 loss. If you look at social media and you look at the comments, then yeah, it did. Uh, because People are quickly uh, able to jump from the uh, support and the kumbaya to the laughing emoji, and it, it just some people. That's just the way they take it, right? They don't they they don't know how to take losses, and and so therefore it turns into uh, automatic uh, piling on instead of being able to look at what this is and that. Anyone in their right mind saw this entering uh, the 2022 season as a rebuilding process and a process of one that's going to have to build and build and build. But Rich Miano, uh, 63 to 10 week one after all of the positive movement that you saw both on the field and off the field for this program that was much needed. Uh, do you feel that 63 10 just flatlined all those efforts? No, I don't. I mean, obviously, we mentioned uh, the players are going to have to get better. The coaches are going to have to get better. They're going to have to work harder. They're going to have to, you know, be fundamentally more sound. Uh, that's structurally in any football team in terms of the improvement potential from week one to week two. Uh, so, no, I do not think it ended the brotherhood. As, as long as the brotherhood stays inclusive, as long as everybody feels welcomed in this program, but also they feel like, these are young players, coaches. They want to play hard for them, but there's also the discipline necessary to run a Division One football program. If that continues with discipline, and they continue to have fun and they play for one another, uh, you know this this is going to be a long season and hopefully a, a very fruitful season in terms of the rebuilding process. We're not chasing champions. This is a moniker. This is a logo. We had pride rock in the past well we now have the brotherhood and we all got to support the brotherhood because it's going to take all of us yeah and, and it's interesting before we get to you rj because i really want to hear your yeah. thoughts on this uh i think what's important for everyone to understand is that what the brotherhood is what the brotherhood represents it is exactly this it is being together it is fighting the good fight it is taking it on the chin and being able to continue to walk down your opponent and that's exactly what this university of hawaii football team program fan base everyone went through over the last 12 months if you really think about what led to the brotherhood movement why why is it even the brotherhood it's because of what they had to get through to get to this point that has nothing to do with wins it has nothing to do with losses it has nothing to do with touchdowns it has nothing to do with the amount of yards you gain or give up it is what you are and so i think that this week one uh just further solidifies why the brotherhood was so important and why so many people took to it, why it hit went straight to the hearts uh, and the fabric of Hawaii sports and Hawaii culture. It's because it, that, that's what this is all about is it, being able to withstand the pressure, being able to withstand the hard times, the negativity, and to be able to remain linked in arms uh, and continuing the good fight forward. Uh, so my answer to that is no, it, this didn't end the brotherhood movement. It only further established and further solidified why you need the brotherhood movement here at this university of Hawaii football program. RJ Hollis, your thoughts. Well, uh, I don't know who asked that question, but I would hate to be 
in any sort of pressure situation with said person because as we can see they gonna fold like origami on the first sign of trouble timmy chang hasn't even been the head coach for a full calendar year his hiring at the university of hawaii was off the back of drama on the last regime so let's just start with that the second thing being you're gonna face two power five teams this entire season that's one of them and they come out of a conference that if anybody watches college football knows is the SEC and they do a thing called winning national championships and they don't do it a little bit they do it a lot so when you have an SEC opponent coming into your house do you want to see them beat you 63 to 10 obviously not but asking is the brotherhood dead is like saying does Alabama just have to beat Texas and then be crowned the national champion you have a full season for that reason you have 12 more opportunities you have a team in Vanderbilt that was super powerful, that was super, you know, athletic. And by the time the game just got to rolling, you couldn't keep up with them. But next week, you got Western Kentucky, who just faced an FCS opponent, and they had a hard time with them. If Western Kentucky beats you 63 to 10, put that question back in the mailbox and you might get a different answer. But to lose to a SEC opponent when you've had less than a year to even be the head coach of your team, uh, I think it's almost a ludicrous question to ask if you've destroyed the entire identity of your program in one single football game that's not even a part of your conference. So uh, for me, that's going to be an absolute no. Uh, in a couple of weeks, if games keep continuing to go like this, maybe ask that question again. But after one SEC loss to a talented Vanderbilt team, I think it is almost, uh, like I said, ludicrous to ask if this has destroyed the entire brotherhood identity. You know, being as straight up as possible, uh, the biggest concern for the University of Hawaii football team when they go up against Western Kentucky is the overwhelming difference in that word continuity of Western Kentucky. The Hilltoppers are an established program of what they are trying to do. Um, and that is the complete opposite of the University of Hawaii, where we talked about majority of this team has only been practicing together for four weeks. And so uh, when you look at the prospects of, of you know, yes, it's it's Vanderbilt of the SEC, it's Western Kentucky, a fellow group of five. But with that being said, I, I don't think it's no stretch of the imagination that uh, if you're the University of Hawaii, you have to be very careful against the Hilltoppers because you could see an outcome like you saw against the Commodores, even though it's a group of five opponent. And I think the number one reason why is that continuity. Rich Miano has been someone that I've been, you've been talking about this very subject for years. I mean, going back to your coaching days at the University of Hawaii, when we would do interviews and you would always tell me that continuity is the number one most important thing in football, whether it's coaching staff to coaching staff and them staying together, players staying mm -hmm. together, offensive philosophy, continuing year in, year out, defensive philosophy, continuing year in, year out. And, and so uh, when you look at this matchup, Hawaii against Western Kentucky, when you look from a continuity standpoint of a program continuity standpoint, the Hilltoppers, I mean, they have that advantage tenfold, right? Yeah, and RJ, you mentioned, you know, we just faced guys uh, on the outside that could run, running backs, quarterbacks, you know, SEC type of athletes. And even though they ain't uh, the top of the SEC, they're still being recruited to an SEC football program. Now, you're going to see this Western Kentucky team. It's a much better aerial passing game. They're more scrappy. Uh, like you mentioned, the continuity of them. They're a continuously good winning football program. People are going to underestimate them because of their name and because of their, their uh, ignorance in terms of how good this football program is. They did not look great on week one against the uh, FCS team. But guess what? They're going to improve. Tyson Hilton's a hell of a football coach. I coached with him for many years. He's going to have these guys ready to play. He understands Hawaii. Uh, they're going to come over here and it's going to be a battle. And, and I don't think it's going to be 62 to 10 on either side. This is going to be a football game. And we mentioned, how do you win football games? You, you know, you, you, you take the ball away, you possess it on offense and you do the little things like blocking and tackling, and then we'll have a different outcome. All right, the Rainbow Warriors and the Hilltoppers will go to battle in week number two. That is on Saturday at 6 p.m. at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex. It will be televised on Spectrum Sports pay-per-view. Uh, and so you, you're going to want to check that out. Tickets, again, will be very limited no matter what. I mean, moving forward, no matter what happens throughout this season, tickets will be limited because 
only hundreds remain for each game moving forward because of the amount of season tickets that were sold in a stadium that only holds over 9,000 fans. And so if you're interested in going to the game, you better just get on eTicketHawaii.com or go to the Simplify Arena box office and get your tickets now because uh, they're going to be few and far between here. Or, of course, you can catch it on Pay-Per-View Spectrum Sports Channel. And, of course, when that game is done, we will be talking about it on Bo's Football Final on Monday. And so real quickly, I want to give you each a chance to to say your final thoughts as far as what you want to see out of this University of Hawaii football team, what you think the most important things that they work on in practice, what needs to be the mission here for the Rainbow Warriors as they get ready for the Hilltoppers and come game day against the Hilltoppers. RJ Hollis, you get that first chance at your last message for this Rainbow Warrior football team. Well, you know me. I'm, I'm going to try to get fired up. We, he's got to be dogs. You got to be dogs. You got to watch that tape and, and realize and remember that feeling of just having that epic defeat to start off your season and do everything in your power to make sure it doesn't happen again. Is Western Kentucky going to be as good as Vanderbilt? No, but like you both mentioned, if you fall asleep on this team and think that they're just going to come in here and roll over and give you a victory, you are very sadly mistaken. Only one game has been etched off of the season, but you still have 12 more opportunities. So if I'm Timmy Chang and I'm this Hawaii football warrior team, I'm doing everything I can this week, starting today, this Monday, on how we can do everything in our power to beat the Hilltoppers when they come to T.C. Ching. Rich Miano, what needs to be on that dry erase board come uh, uh, morning meetings for this University of Hawaii football team before practice? What needs to be the biggest thing that they were working on? And I'm going to sound like a coach here, but we got to win the line of scrimmage. And I think we did win the line of scrimmage offensively. So we got to run the football, set up the play action pass defensively. Les Mataala, John Tuich, Pato, and the boys, they got to win that defensive line of scrimmage. And then, you know what, Rob? We didn't take the ball away on defense. We gave it away on offense. And then on special teams, we didn't win the hidden yardage battle. And we didn't have any big plays. So we got to do all those things. You, you've got to do those things if you expect to win football games. And, and I think Hawaii will be much better in almost every category. Well, the Rainbow Warriors 0-1 to start the 2022 season following a 63-10 loss to Vanderbilt. But... Hey, it's a long season. They get another crack added here on Saturday against Western Kentucky. Six o'clock at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex, televised on Spectrum Sports Pay-Per-View. We will catch you next week, Monday, as we do every Monday morning at 808 at KHON2.com. And anywhere you download podcasts, mahalo for listening. To Bo's Football Final, for Rich Miano, RJ Hollis, I'm Rob DeMello. Aloha.